Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. Jen Ichikawa is in Vegas this past weekend, so she again misses out on this amazing, amazing episode with William Jameson from Culture Index. We are also joined by Stephen Smithing throughout the interview. He is the owner at the Green Hills Grill in Maribel. And I'll tell you how this interview happened. We were doing a training. Both of the general managers from both locations were together. We were doing a training, and I said, um, I told William before he came, I said, I would love to sit down and do an interview with you because I'm such a fan of what he does, what Culture Index is and how it works. And he said, yeah, man, I'd love to sit down and talk. So that, that is what this episode is. Try and listen to the entire thing because there's some really neat stuff I'll bet you didn't even know you could do. It's kind of, it's 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 truly amazing. And I, I hope that you can hear it and get it and understand it exactly what it is. But it was a really, it was a really fun episode to do. And think, speaking of really fun, I had a really fun weekend. Um, I got to actually get out and go out this weekend and see some people. Eric Cacciatore from the podcast Restaurant Unstoppable, who I'm on. You can hear me on his show today, right now. Also, if you go to Restaurant Unstoppable, you can hear an interview with me. But uh, he was here for the weekend, and we got to hang out and talk lots of restaurant stuff and podcast stuff and some really cool ideas coming up. Just want to say thanks to Eric and Jared for their time here in Nashville. They spent some time over with Sean uh, at the Germantown Cafe, kind of doing, they're chronicling what they're doing over there as they're getting ready to open. Sounds like lots and lots of neat stuff happening at the Germantown Cafe. Very excited to welcome them back after the tornado took them out for almost two years. Um, Also got to spend some time this weekend. Uh, Thank you to Chad and Gracie for the invite coming over to test out SS Guy. Uh, G-A, it's Guy, I guess that's how it's pronounced, over at Eastside Bummy. They have a new concept coming up and it is Thai Chicken and Beer. Uh, I chose for the Thai chicken and kombucha, but uh, it was really, really, really good. The papaya salad was fantastic. And of course, the hospitality, Chad and Grace, are just amazing. But what a fun group of people I saw while I was there. I'm going to name drop for a second because I want to give a shout out to some people. Um, Michael Hanna from St. Vito's Focaccia. I was telling his story to somebody the other day and just what a hard worker and like how this pandemic has brought people together and the amazing things that um, they're doing. Super impressed with him. You can go check out St. Vito's Focaccia every Sunday night over at Hathorne. I also got to run into Edgar Victoria, who's doing his very last uh, taco dinner on Halloween night at Bastion. That stand is over. I know he's got some really cool stuff coming up and uh, just great to see him out. Tyler Cobble, just, you know, Tyler Cobble was a guy we had on the show and he saw a, he saw a car wash and said, I'm going to turn that into five restaurants and I'm going to make it to where people can come in and they can make a small restaurant, takeout only, and they can, it's like a food truck, but we're going to give you your little brick and mortar for limited leases, and he's giving people a shot. And I don't know, I was in the same room with these people, and I was just like, man, I'm so lucky to get to know people like this, and I'm so honored to be able to share their stories with you guys. This is such a fun thing that we do here on Nash Restaurant Radio. Also got to go to Dino's Fest. Uh, got to meet Alex Wincos in person. Uh, she is uh, super cool. I, You know, again, you see her walking around her establishment, big smile, but she's she's making it happen. And like, she's having so much fun. You know, I mean, I, I just love when people have as much fun as all these people do, doing what they love. And that's what we do here in this industry. And that's a lot what this episode is about. This episode is about hiring people and putting them in positions to where they can do the things that they love. 
sometimes people don't even realize what their what their aptitude is or what they enjoy doing the most. They just know they can make money doing this. But actually finding a position for somebody that they're best suited to do helps you get the best people in the right seats and it helps them enjoy their job so much more. I know I'm in a role that I love and my my index is exactly for what I need to be doing and it, it makes a difference. It really is very, very helpful. Uh, this show is going to be brought to you today by, uh, while we're talking about amazing people, I want to talk about a couple of vendors. And these are people that come into your restaurant that I consider to be friends. I use them all. I vouch for them all. What chefs want is delivering some of the best seafood, the best steaks, the best produce, the best gourmet items, the best local opportunities to buy seven days a week. They're coming here seven days a week. They're splitting almost all the cases that they sell. They'll deliver um, anything. They have no minimum. So they'll just deliver whatever they want right to you seven days a week. They're absolutely amazing. Cytex, who says they love their linen guy? I mean, I absolutely do. Every time uh, Brett comes in, he's just a great dude. I love talking to them. But you know what? They're hustling right now. And they're delivering all my linens. And they're, they're making it happen. And I love working with them. And I love our communication that we have. And I don't know how many people can say this, but like one of their favorite vendors is their their dish machine and chemical guy. But I can. Uh, Jason Ellis is is a friend, and every time he's in the building, I learn something new, and he just hustles. I love hearing testimonials from people that I've turned him on to, and they're like, "Dude, this guy is legit." Like he, I've never thought that I would feel this way about my dish machine and chemical guy, but here we are. You can go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com right now. You click the Sponsors tab, and you can find each one of those vendors on there. Click the tab, and that tells you how to get hold. There's actually some special deals if you're a Nashville Restaurant Radio listener. If you go click the tab, get them set up for your restaurant right now. This episode is going to be commercial-free today, just straight through. Enjoy it. Brought to you by those people. What chefs want. Cytex and Supersource, my people, I love them to death. I think you're going to love this interview. Thanks for listening. Check it out. All right, super excited today to welcome in William. Is it Jameson or Jemison? Jameson, like the Irish whiskey. Like the Irish whiskey. William Jameson and Stephen Smithing to Nashville Restaurant Radio. How are you gentlemen doing today? Doing great. Doing wonderful. So I've been excited about this episode since we planned on you coming to town. And William, what is your exact title at called? You an owner at Culture Index? What is your what do you do there? Yeah, so I'm a so I am an independent licensee. Okay. Uh, and so my title is executive advisor. Executive advisor. William is the executive advisor at Culture Index. And this is a uh, program, it's a it's a product that we use here at both of our restaurants at Maribel and Greenhouse Grill. Stephen, you are the owner of Greenhouse Grill and Maribel, so I thought it would be very um, apropos to have you on the show because this is a fun one. This is one of those things that we do on a regular basis that absolutely blows me away, and we're in the middle of a training right now, and yesterday my head was blown up again. Like, this is the most amazing thing in the world. So let me give a setup, and then I'll ask you to do your 90-second elevator pitch. We uh, so culture and you know just let's just start off with you doing your elevator pitch. What exactly is culture index? Yeah, so culture index. So what we do? So we work with CEOs and executives, and our primary goal is helping our CEOs and ex- executives drive top line growth, bottom line growth, and sustainable scalability. And the definition of sustainable scalability is the business to grow without the owner having to continue to work harder and harder and harder. Um, and so Steven's smiling, by the way, at that comment, <laughs> as, as I'm sure a lot of people would be right now. Uh, and so the, the way we go about that is we um, we teach CEOs and executives how to use what we call behavioral analytics, which is just basically data on how people think, act and behave naturally in order to get them in the right seats of the organization to increase productivity and reduce turnover. Um, And then additionally, we train the management team on how to then, how to motivate, delegate, and communicate to those people to get the best out of each individual on their team. All right, so that right there sounds like um, 
if I heard that as a sales pitch, there's a lot of words there that went together. You're like, what, what, what is all of that? Okay, that sounds cool. But to break it down to the layman, uh, which I am, is you do it. It's, it's not a personality test. It's a survey that you ask people that tells their, their aptitudes towards five different measurables. Yeah, so it's seven different measurables. Seven actually. different measurables, yep. sorry. And they're all work-related behaviors. So everything that we measure is going to be a work-related behavior, something that we're trying to, to drive or impact uh, the ability to do a job. So the, the big eye-opener for me, which is really amazing, is we had people that you hire and they don't work out or they're dramatic or they're just, you put people in the wrong seats. Jim Collins has a book called Good to Great, which I recommend to every single person out there. And essentially what he says in the book is if you get the right people, if you hire the right people and put them in the right seats, your chances of success are tenfold over everybody else. That's how you go from if you think you're good, you get the right people in the right seats, you'll get to great. And so what you do is you identify patterns like so I create a position as a server or a bartender or an assistant manager or a bar manager or a general manager. And then I create exactly what I want out of that position. And then as people apply for that particular position, I can compare who they actually are versus what I need for that position. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, our, our job is to help you first understand what you need, right? So first is to identify what you need, and then we help you rank people up against that, right? So you have a high predictability of, is this person going to be successful? right, or made this person challenge. So our, our goal is not only to get you the right people in those seats, but to also help you avoid those painful learning opportunities we've all had, Yeah, which we wish we could have avoided. Stephen, so understanding that right there, how has this worked out for you? Well, first of all, we try to test or send this survey to every person who we give an interview to. As a, as a precursor to giving them the interview, you send them this and then you have something to look at. Uh, sharing this with the people usually gets some buy-in. If you let them read it, they'll read it and say, oh yeah, that's me, or oh, I didn't see that part. But there's always some unique part in there that I don't know as though they fully understood was them, but when they actually read it on paper, they're like, oh yeah. Uh, and then taking that and, and allowing us to look at it and see if the person has the aptitude generally speaking, to do that job. I mean, service, a lot of people can do service jobs and a lot of people do it for different periods of time. Our goal, obviously, as a first name basis restaurant is to have people do this for an extended period of time. We're not really looking for a bunch of people to fill in for three months. Uh, certainly, I'm not looking for somebody to come in, you know, you know, every every 14th day and work one shift. We're looking for people who are going to come in here know what we do for a living, know the guest. And Culture Index allows you to identify those people who may be more apt to stay around for a while. Exactly. So can you explain how Culture Index does that? Yeah. So so what so what we do, so there's a couple things that we do. So first around for staying around for a while. So uh, there's actually certain natural traits that actually are a very high link to loyalty. Yes. Right? So if you're a restaurant and you want somebody to stick around for a long period of time, uh, if you hire people with those traits, they are much less likely to leave for the simple fact they don't like change, right? So they find something, they find a job, they're treated well, <clears throat> the likelihood of, of them to change is greatly reduced. Uh, and then additionally, the, the other piece to that is, is by linking people to what they naturally do well and enjoy, right, and putting in positions that they naturally will excel at, they just like their job better. Yeah. And, and we all know if we like our job better, it's not work, and we're much more likely to keep coming back to it time and time again. So that's a really, as you said. Well, it makes it a lot easier to create culture when you have people who actually want to do the job and want to be here for a while. I mean, culture takes a while to build. It doesn't happen overnight. You can't no. snap your fingers. You have to get people who want to participate in this over time and then do that. The part about it that always gets me, I just get completely blown away when you start going into all of the individual traits of people and to think about hiring somebody with none of this. But it's almost as if you do this. It, let's go. I want to go over some of the seven measurables that you do, and then I'll kind of correlate what I was just starting to say. There's an A, there's a B, a C, a D, and then there's 
E-U-L and I. Correct. It means nothing to anybody. Let's go over the A qualities. A qualities is going to be autonomy. So what, what if I have somebody who's a low A versus a high A, what are the two major differences between those people? Yeah, so somebody who's a high A, you're going to expect them to want to act independently, right? Mm -hmm. So they want to act on their own, and they want to make decisions primarily on their own. So I would say those, are, those would be the two most obvious things that you're going to see somebody with a high A. Somebody with a low A is more going to want to follow direction, mm -hmm. uh, and they're more going to uh, think team first a little bit more than me first. Perfect. So if I'm hiring a manager and I want somebody, if I'm hiring a general manager and I want somebody who's going to be able to think independently and make decisions that I can trust to do the right thing in, in their decision making, who's comfortable, who wants to make those decisions, I'm going to probably want somebody with a higher A. In general, there's so many factors that go along. But if I'm looking for a server or a bartender or somebody that I really need to come in and follow rules and be part of a team and want to be part of a team, I'm looking at a lower A. Absolutely correct. Okay, so that's very oversimplifying it. The next one is B. Yep. B is, what does B stand for? So B stands for social ability. Okay. So uh, a person with a higher B trait, uh, these are people who get energized about being around people. Uh, these are people who uh, like to talk, like to communicate, um, and are naturally positive people. Okay, so social, uh, they, they want to talk, they, they care about what people think, they are really energetic, more extroverts? More extroverts, that's a great way to think about it. Okay, so if I'm a low B, what am I doing? So if I'm a low B, um, I, don't, I don't have a need, want, or desire for social acceptance. So I'm usually a person who likes to kind of think on my own. Uh, I'd rather do alone work versus doing what I would call group work. Okay. Uh, often the, these are your often your uh, often back prep of cooks. the house prep cooks. Example. That's a great a great analogy. So if you're looking for a great prep cook and you get somebody with a really high A and a really high B, they're gonna they're gonna want to do their own thing, but they're also they're gonna want to make the decisions and maybe potentially change recipes if they want something different. And they want to talk about it with everybody. And they like, I need you to follow the recipe, do the thing I've told you to do, and just knock out these 10 recipes in this eight hours. You want somebody probably with a lower A and a lower B. They enjoy doing that work. Absolutely right. So if, you, if you're interviewing people just off the front end, you can start seeing these, just these two categories. You could, somebody can fake that in an interview, right? If in an interview, somebody come in and say, no, I love people. No doubt about it. So everybody has the ability to do what we call behavioral modification, right? So we can all kind of act and be somebody that we're not. The, the trick to is we can't do that for long periods of time. We can do that for 30 minutes. We can do that for 60 minutes. You know, I call it, we can do it for that first date, but I can't do that for 365 days a year. So that's why a lot of people that you potentially would hire and they get to work and after a week you're like, this isn't the person I interviewed. That's exactly right. Yep. So, Stephen, in your experience, starting with this, how has it helped you? Well, I like to say that carrots and cream don't change much in how they behave. We know predictably how those ingredients are going to behave as we you know, use them and prepare them. When guests walk in the business or when you have a group of 15 people, there are a lot of different ways that group of 15 people can behave. So the person out front needs to be prepared and desirous of understanding and wanting that change. And then they have to manage it and actually run with it and serve those people. I love it. Exactly. Not that cream and carrots is an easier job because it really is not at all. There's a whole lot of variables that go into that. Uh, that are There's a craft and an art to make that fantastic, but it's a different variable than the people in the restaurant moving around and saying things that you might not expect. There, there's, a, there's a million variables. It's a very well... Way to put it. No doubt I love it. that. Stump the waiter is more common than, you know, <laughs> stump the chef. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking at, so let, let's, let's keep going. So that's A and B, and the next is? So the next is the C trait, which we call patience. Okay. So people with higher patience. So these are people who are typically, typically more single task focused. 
Um, and they're what I'd be called more steady or methodical. So for example, if you want to hire a dishwasher, right, and you want them to stick, you're more likely to who going to want to hire somebody with C to the right because they'll enjoy doing that repetitive task over and over again. Yeah. And so a lower C means... Yeah, so lower C obviously is then a, a lack of patience. Um, so these are people who have a natural sense of urgency and they like variety, they can like a little pressure, they like to multitask. So maybe think of a bartender at a busy restaurant who can jump around and handle multiple guests all at the same time. Is it, so if you hire a high C to be a bartender, <clears throat> they're gonna go from one person, they're gonna spend all the time on that one person, and then they're gonna go to the next person almost methodically versus, and then th there may be a well with tickets coming up, they're gonna be like, nope, these three people sat at the bar first, I'm gonna take care of them, and then I will get to that, and then I will come back to this, but if you're a low C, you're able to see the three people at the bar, get their order while making the other drinks at the same time. Exactly right. Yeah, you multitask. And then you also have a stronger natural sense of urgency. So you might realize that this <clears throat> this guest is going to be a really big ticket. I, maybe I need to prioritize this, right? Yeah. Um, where C to the right is going to take it sequentially, which could end up costing you some money. So we've gone through A, B, C, and D is the final major Characterizer. What is D? So D is what we call conformity. Okay. So people with high conformity, what you're going to see is these person uh, are more accurate. They care a little bit more about quality, and they're more likely to follow the rules that you set in place. Um, so the the higher D uh, conformity, you're going to find these people um, are better at executing the plan. You think of the high A coming up with the plan. You think of the high D as executing the plan. Okay. Uh, and then low D. So low D, these are people who uh, are more what I would call generalist. Um, these are people who are a little bit uh, more of a creative thinker. And at times you're going to find they're going to be a little bit more sloppy when they're disinterested. Okay. So creative thinkers. So if I have a guy who wants to wait tables who's also a musician and I write songs in my off time, you can probably guess this person's a low D. Is that like a creative person? Is that in my way generalizing? <laughs> Uh, I would say there's, I would say that there's a pretty high correlation to that statement and probably reality, absolutely. Okay, but you don't know that until you actually have the person fill out the culture index and they look at it. Correct. And they go, okay. In defense of the low D people, though, they'll wow people in ways that you wouldn't even know how to do if you're high D. Well, and they have a amazing ability for forgiveness, and they don't they don't dwell on things. I mean, they can kind of kind of rolls off their shoulders, right? Absolutely, they bounce back much better. When you serve people for a living, you, you, you need that thick skin, and yeah, I mean the guests are always right, and you're always here to entertain them. So that's interesting because if you're low D and you let things kind of, hey, look, I'm kind of creative. You said sloppy or messy, but you can bounce back from this table stiffed me. Hey, I'm going to bounce right back. It's okay. We got the next table. Let's keep going. And then you have the Heidi, who's very who conforms, will do everything you need him to do, a little better attention to detail wants to do things right like so in the middle there what if you're right in the middle if you're not a Heidi or a Lodi you're just right as I'm just I'm right there in the middle does that mean you have kind of the best of both worlds yeah somebody somebody right in the middle is what I'm gonna have some I'm gonna call it selective detail right so okay. I have the ability to be detail oriented when it's important uh, but things that aren't important I can still kind of let go and not sweat the small stuff Okay, so that would be the the better. Uh, that's where mine is. I know. I, I got my my idea is right in the middle, so I'm like, that's the best one, right? <laughs> right. That's where the best people are. Stephen's a low D. You're what are you? You're kind of on the line too, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a middle D. Actually. Are you an architect? Uh, yes, sir. Sorry, I'm an enterpriser. Right? You're an enterpriser. There is a name for all of these, all the different traits that people have that you can learn. This is so much fun. So the most, the other two, there's a, there's one called energy units. As you go through and they do this test, one of the that gives you an energy unit measure. So mine is 43. What does that mean? Yeah, so energy unit is what we call mental stamina. So what it does is it measures the ability for somebody to continue to do work without getting tired. Okay. Additionally, it measures the ability for people to do things that are not natural without getting completely worn out because they have a bigger battery to start with. Um, and so obviously in, in the restaurant industry, um, you're gonna find a lot of long hours. So in general, having a high EU is gonna predict somebody who can take those longer shifts 
who can be steady the second half of their shift versus being worn out and, and you're seeing... Outside you know, smoking, I'm going to go on the walk-in, take a exactly break, I'm going to go eat chips from the Hobart and go in the back. Yes. So that's so interesting because if you work downtown or you're you know on Broadway and you you come to work at 7 o'clock at night and you get off at 4 o'clock in the morning, that energy unit is a major factor in who you're hiring. If you hire somebody with an 11 EU, chances are that person's probably not going to work out for you. No, they're not going to mentally be able to handle that type of those types of hours and shifts long term. They're going to be last in, first out. Last, how often in an interview does somebody identify that? You're not going to know it. You're going to have no clue, right? Because for, for an interview, it's 30 to 60 minutes. So if you don't have the data, there's no way you're going to see that. And, and nobody ever says, oh, I really don't like to work for a long period of time. Yeah. <laughs> nobody would say that, but in the restaurant business, you're like, I've never been there. But you, so this is one of those things. I always find this just like, holy cow, this is mind-blowing. I can ask me to take this, this survey before I interview them, and I can know whether or not they want to be on a team, whether or not they want to be the boss. I can know whether or not they're friendly and that they're outgoing and extroverted or whether or not they want to be alone and they're introverted. I can know whether or not they're, they want to work really fast and they're multitasking or whether or not they want to be kind of methodical and they want to take their time with their work. I can also know what level of detail they're going to do. I'm going to conform to this is the process I'm going to do it or hey, I'm okay with change. I can move around a little bit. That's okay. And then I can work all night long and no worries. I got it. I can work a 12 hour shift like nothing, I can make that happen. Those are really cool traits to know. And then there's two more that are really fascinating as well. Logic. This is the one that gets me probably the most in trouble with my wife, right? Because you can measure logic. And when I say logic, that's the L line. And it's a, it's a measuring that from one to 10. And basically, tell me if I'm right. What you're measuring here is the percentage of time you, and this is where the I look at it, right? So I am a 10, right? So I am a 10 on the logic scale, which means 100% of the time I'm using logic to make decisions. If I'm an eight, that means that 80% of the time I'm using logic to make decisions and 20% of the time I'm using emotion. Right. Is that correct? Yeah, the, the higher that logic trait, the more I remove emotion when I make decisions, absolutely. And but when you're deciding which toothpicks to pick up, Sometimes it's important to have the super high logic, but when you're managing people, you gotta you gotta fill in sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I, that's a that's a thing. No doubt about it. The other really interesting thing about the logic trait uh, is when you when you look at it and you look at about hiring staff. So the the advantage to low logic can be that those associates, because they're more emotional, they can actually build connections with their customers easier. Okay. So that's one of the advantages to it. Of course, the disadvantage to it is because they're more emotional and you may have to manage them, right? There's gonna be a lot more drama that's gonna come in into the organization. And so you have to decide, right? Does that trade work, trade-off work in this position or does that trade-off not work in this position? So really anything that's like an extreme number, so super high A, super low A, high B, low B, high L, low L. So really what you really would like to do is kind of be in the middle there. So what you want is kind of balance. For the most part, to not have too strong of a trader, it doesn't really matter, does it? Well, what I would tell you, it's, it, honestly, I'm going to really say it's a little bit more job specific, right? Because there's some positions that need extremes, right? And then there's some positions that don't need extremes, right? So uh, I'm always going to look at it at the job level and decide if what I need. Do I need more flexibility? Or, you know, if I'm hiring a daredevil for a stunt scene, maybe I need a little bit more extreme. Yeah, oh, that makes complete sense. Um, the last one is ingenuity. There's an I. Absolutely. Tell me about the I. So I measures original thought and cleverness. Uh, so what you're gonna find is people with high eyes, they can think outside of normal business reality and come up, up with completely new ideas that may allow your business to spin in new directions. Um, Some place where a high eye might be really handy, whoever's the chef coming up, right, with your menu, right? A high eye will allow that person, that person can put things together that the average person wouldn't think about. I was thinking more lines of marketing. Like if you're hiring somebody for marketing whose eye is a one, they're probably gonna go, hey, you should do a happy hour and order cheap drinks. 
Absolutely. Like, wow, what an original idea that is. Right. right? So you're going to get the copycat from what somebody else already did. Yeah, yeah, they're not coming up with original ideas. They're just going to kind of do, they're going to follow. Yeah, a low eye is going to basically kind of do what we've done before and slightly try to improve it, right? Where a high eye might come up with that new original brilliant idea that nobody else would have thought of before. Wow. Okay, so now I think we've described the seven types of people. Seven traits. <clears throat> seven traits. And all of those, there's, there's way more than seven types of people. How many different... So I'm an architect. You're an enterpriser. Yeah. Stephen is a rainmaker. Absolutely. How many of those are there? Yeah. So we have uh, 19, what we call 19 typified patterns or okay. 19 groups that most people kind of fall into and look a lot alike. So here's some, here's some questions that I want to do as a follow-up. What is the cost of a bad hire? So if, I, if I'm hiring a server and I'm at a downtown spot or if I'm at a really busy restaurant and I need somebody for 10 hours at a time, and I hire somebody with a 11 on their EU who doesn't like people and wants, you know, that, that's just the wrong fit. But they faked it in the interview. But they faked in the interview. What's the cost there? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, when you look at some data that some independent organizations have, have, have pulled together, so uh, if you look at the cost of their salary, right, and you add about 20% for benefits and multiply by three, that's about the financial cost to your business. So let's just hire you. Let's just say you hire a, a manager, right? And you're paying them 50k a year. Okay. Uh, so that's about 60k with benefits times three. So that manager, if you get it wrong and they're with you for about six months, the bottom line impact to your organization was probably about 180 thousand dollars. And that's from going through Indeed or wherever you went to find this person, interviewing them three times, putting them through training, the negative impact of having somebody who's negatively impacting your team, right? So maybe that manager ran off three servers in the meantime and uh, a sous chef, and you didn't, you didn't realize but they also pissed off 15 tables because they were rude to your guests, Absolutely. and they're never coming back to your building again. So in all of these factors that are normal things that happen you're like oh we, we don't need any of that but hiring the person who's more suited for the job on the front end yeah have you ever done that steven <laughs> yeah he's laughing over here this, this helps do that less often we'll put it that way yeah absolutely and, and you're right so many of those costs that you you think about it there, there's the, the few ones that you can measure but it's it's all those ones you can't measure the the impact to your customer right that customer who never returned or the employee who they ran off those are the things that are harder to measure but have really true negative impacts to your bottom line when you get it wrong. Okay, so we've really been talking right now about hiring people. And when people come into your job, you're interviewing people to get the right person in the right seat. Now, everybody who's listening to this right now who works in a restaurant, owns a restaurant, manages a restaurant, already has a full team. We already have... Well, not at this point. <laughs> We, we all wish we had, wish we had a full we team. We all right? wish we had full teams. We're getting so the, a little closer. We're getting a little closer. But that first part of this interview was centered around, hey, you can get so much more information before you even hire somebody. Both of my general managers were in the meetings yesterday, and both at the end of the day were like, oh, my gosh. I'm never I'm, – I'm using this for every single thing in the entire world. There's three factors of people who are currently working for you that I was blown away from yesterday. And I want to talk about those three different people. There are people who work for you who are engaged. Absolutely. They're coming in, they have buy-in, they love your culture, they're driving your culture, they're engaged in what you're doing. Then you have the people who are unengaged, who are just kind of there, hey, look, this is my job. You know, the day before they may tell somebody, oh, I gotta go to work tomorrow, I'll be done at four, then I can go do the thing I wanna do. Right, those people who are just there, they're unengaged, but they're there. Yep. And then there's the people who are actively unengaged. And those people are, not only are they not engaged, but they're actively like in the side station on Indeed looking up, or they're on Foambo right now, right. looking up new jobs. They're updating their profile with pictures like, hey, look, I work in a restaurant. I want to work in your restaurant, not this terrible restaurant. Um, so how... Do you bring people, let's talk about the percentage. What percentage of people typically that work somewhere are engaged? 
Uh, so somewhere around the 20 to 30% range are what we would call engaged employees. Wow. Okay, so that's a super low number. Yes. How many people, what's the percentage that would you say are unengaged? You've got about 50% at any given time of your employees that are typically un, unengaged employees, right? Meaning they, they're, they're here, they're doing the job, but they're doing the job because they have to, not necessarily because they want to do it. So by deduction, I'm going to say 50 plus 30, 50 plus 20 to 30, push me to 80. So 20 to 30% of my people are actively unengaged right now? Absolutely. Well, when you think about it, about one third of every American changes their job once a year, right? Wow. So if you just kind of think of that work, that actively unengaged group, right, represents about one third of the public. Give or take and in our business, that happens more often. Right. Yeah, it's certainly okay. a higher rate. Everybody's thinking there's something great out there. The grass is greener. You know, I'm, I'm going to get the lottery ticket tomorrow. I don't have to worry about all this. I'm going to write a hit song, which some people do, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't begrudge anybody good fortune, but paying your bills tomorrow is part of what we help do. 100%. So if I have people engaged, unengaged, actively unengaged, how does culture index allow, can, can people move from unengaged to engaged and can people move from actively unengaged to engaged? Yeah, absolutely they can. So, so your existing staff can move up really, there's two ways to do that, right? So, so number one is let's just look and identify, do I, do I have this person in the right spot, right? Because if I have them doing a job that they're not a good fit for, they're probably in one of those two bottom categories. Okay. okay. So sometimes it's just as simple as, I got this person in the wrong spot. Let's kind of adjust what they do every day. And all of a sudden, I turn an unengaged employee up into an engaged employee. Um, and then number two, the, number, the other main reason that people leave companies is because managers don't know how to manage people, right? And so if I take a manager and I teach them how to motivate each of their individuals uniquely because we all need to be motivated and communicated to in a different way. If I can train them to do that, I'll bring my employees up from unengaged up to engaged, right? And the more I move up, guess what happens with productivity? Oh, I mean, exponential growth. But it's also, I think it's also nice because once you give everybody the culture index survey, which again, takes like seven to 10 minutes to do. It's not like they have to go home and study. It's, it's a, you can do it from your phone. Absolutely. It's, it's really easy to do. You can identify the people who are actively unengaged are typically people who you have in the wrong seat. No doubt about it. Yeah, they're either, they're either in the wrong seat, right? Or we've got a manager who has no clue how to manage that person, right? And you can tell, you can look over your management team and go, oh, I've got a man. Sometimes your manager's in the wrong seat. Absolutely. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And, and with it, so we, we've got two tools, and we talked about the hiring tool, which is what we call survey traits. The second oh, part, that's right, yeah. The second part of the tool is called job behaviors, right? And that job behaviors is how I think I need to act to be successful in my current position. So by measuring the two and seeing where the two are not aligned, that's where I can tell where my employee's stress is coming from. Right, so if I know where the stress is coming from, I can kind of put a plan into place to eliminate that stress. So I'll, I'll rephrase that. So if I'm a, and I'll, I'll ask, before I rephrase, I'll ask this question. What if I'm listening to this and I'm going, man, that culture next sounds cool, but I got, I run a juice shop and I got a bunch of 18 year olds. They, they probably don't have really, they're, they're still developing, right? But, all right, so the average, so the most people's natural, behaviors become inherent by the age of 12, okay? So they're 95% solidified by the age of 12. So it doesn't change much after that. So, uh, you know, if you're hiring people 18 or older, it's set. They are who they are. Uh, we might get a little bit wiser as we get older. And more educated. And more educated, yep. But we don't change who we naturally are and how we naturally want to behave and act. I think the cool part of that is we have server assistants here that are all younger, the 15, 16 year old range. I take a great amount of pride as a leader sitting down and talking with them because I realize this is their first job. I get people in here that's their very first job and they're busting tables and, you know, kind of doing the thing. But like I take a great amount of pride that I want to be like a leader that starts them off in their career. They go, 
wow, I had this manager that one time who really cared about me. And they you model that so that they kind of know what they like going forward. That, hey, look, working is good. Working is fun if you have a great leader. This can only solidify that. You know these young people, what's going to motivate them. You can come in and really start them off because they're moldable. They're like clay at yeah. that point when it comes to their work habits. No doubt about it. You can do a lot with it. Yeah, no doubt about it. You, you can do that. And the other really, really neat thing about Culture Index, the companies are, that are, are taking advantage of it is right. you can identify the people who have future leadership potential at the point of hire, right? So I can bring this person at whatever introductory level position I need. They may not have the experience, but I know this person has a leadership trait that I can start grooming them, right, to be that future leader and to be that, you know, to be the future GM or to be the future bartender manager or whatever whatever leadership opportunities you have within the organization. I, uh, I just find all of this completely, absolutely fascinating. And it's such... I just don't know how people like I, I think about because we've had this here for years now. We've done this for multiple years here at our restaurants. I think it's four. four years, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And it's been such an amazing help in who we hire and how we hire. Um, I don't know. I just look at this and I go, I don't know how you do it without it. Uh, just make mistakes, I guess. Yeah. Look, I, I just like everybody else. I, I used to be on the other side of the table. I used to be uh, vice president of sales, and I, I can tell you how many times I got it wrong because I used to guess. Um, and why guess when the data is there that you don't have to guess? Does this does the culture index is this legal? I mean, like we're talking about, am I getting any information in here that I'm not allowed to have? No, look, our, our, our product doesn't measure anything that would be discriminatory, right? So uh, all the words actually are gender neutral. So whether you're a male or a female, none of the words um, would impact the results. Mm -hmm. um, and um, any other protected classes, race, religion, ethnicity, all those things, we don't measure. It's going to come out the same way regardless. Um, and so what you find actually is the organizations that work with us, uh, they actually end up with a much more diverse culture afterwards because we take the whole bias out of our hiring manager's hands and we just look at data and facts and ability to do the work and take all, all, all those things that we wish our hiring managers didn't have, but they probably do. That's a, that's a huge thing to today's world. I mean, just finding somebody, finding out who they are, if they're the right fit for the position, filling that position, man, woman, veteran status, marriage, none of that. You won't be able to tell any of that. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Okay. Using it for four years, I, I can speak to that, that you don't see anything. In fact, it's a pure, it's not like a pure number, but it's a pure idea or you, know, you could, everybody looks different. It's not like you see two people that look exactly the same. There are people that have, you know, we put them in the same 19, one of 19, you know, names or classes, yes. but they all look different on paper and it's different than what they look like in real life. If you don't look up and see, if you look at this, if you put all your people on there, you would never be able to pick out, you know, male, female. Nothing. Yeah. You know, besides so their name. I mean, if you blacked out the names, you wouldn't. Have. Yeah. They got about. That's awesome. I love it. Um, what was I, I was going to talk about real quick. I was setting up a question and I, I we got off on lots of tangents here because I, I, there's so many things I want to cover in the next 10 minutes. Um, there's two ones. There's, there's the who you are, right? There's your, um, what's the, what's it called? Come on. Survey traits. Survey traits. And then there's the job traits. This is one of my favorite areas, and this is for, for reviews, but also when new people come in and interview with me, I can sit down, I can find out why they're unhappy in their job, right? So the survey traits tell me who they are as of age 12 going on. This is, they want to be a leader. They want to be on a team. They're fast. They're slow. They're accurate. They're not. I can find out all of these things on the front end, and then I can know. So if they naturally want to be a leader, but they on their team currently have to be part of a team. While they may have a high A, their job trait may be a low B. And while they may be super friendly and outgoing, they may be a high B, but in their current job, they're not allowed to be customer facing. Somebody's put them in the back of a place, they're boxing t-shirts to go into a, a box that goes away and they have to be quiet 
and they can't talk or they're you know doing this and you can see when there's a complete difference between their job traits and their survey traits you can know when somebody's unhappy in their job and you can so that's a new employee i can know that why you're unhappy from your previous job but then i can also have my employees retake it and i can have them retake just the job survey kind of have them this is how you feel at your current job are you happy and I can know that pretty easily. Yeah, absolutely. Look, the, the power of being able to talk to somebody in an interview and being able to say, I know why you're not happy because we can see the difference between who they are and how they have to behave in the current job. And say, I see that this is not a fit for you. I know the reason why. Guess what? That's not going to be this way here because I know that that was an issue there. And we're going to, what we're trying to hire you for, that isn't going to, going to affect you the way that it did at that other organization or the the light bulb moment for that person hey you didn't like your previous job because you had to do this it's going to be the same thing here have you thought about doing this absolutely this would be a better shot for you and our this position isn't the right one for you have you thought about being at the front door have you thought about being in the kitchen have you thought about being out front whatever it might be no doubt about it you can really tailor make something a job for the person to be in the right spot. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, and you can, about and even it. in a bar, you can have two bartenders. One's job is to make drinks as fast as you can for as many tickets as you can. They keep popping up. You know, it's like Tetris. You're knocking it out. Yeah. But you've got another bartender whose job is to be out there engaging the guest and to be bringing people back and giving them a little tidbit about Nashville and you know entertaining them. And they are different jobs. So you can see the difference between those two people. Which one will be happier? doing the service well and which one will be happier out there talking to people and when you get those people backward we all know it doesn't work they don't like each other they don't like they're, they're, there's some dysfunction going on it just allows you easily to separate those two yeah into great. doing what's essentially the same technical or you know, descriptive job so this is this is all stuff that I've we've been working on we've been doing for a long time I've asked you some rhetorical questions for me because I knew the answers on the front end but for my listeners out there, if they want to learn more about Culture Index, how would they would they call? Can they email you? Can they? Is there a website? How can they get a hold of you? Yeah, if they wanted to get a hold of me, so my my cell phone is always the best way. Okay. Um, so my cell phone is eight four seven four one seven four zero five six, or you can email me at w jameson like the whiskey at cultureindex.com. W Jameson at cultureindex.com. And tell me that phone number one more time. 847-417-4056. So how does the process work? If I'm a restaurant owner out there and I'm right now hiring, that's why I want to do this episode so bad and share what you do because it's so vital right now. The, the people that you have coming in to get the right people is so important. If I'm calling you and I go, hey, William, hi, my name is John Schman and I run this restaurant. How do I get started? What do you do? What's what does it look like? Yeah, so the way that I first like to start people out, um, I, I like to offer some something for free first, right? So, what I allow anybody who's interested in learning a little bit more is I allow you to set up a free demo account and you literally survey ten to fifteen people, including yourself, um, and then we actually set up a follow up call for about an hour and a half. And we could just go over the results, okay? So worst case scenario is you get some really good free information about you and some of your key people. And I like doing it that way because instead of talking about this theoretically, it's just much easier if you can see it and I can show you the information so it makes sense to you. And I can speak a little to the expense. I mean, this is definitely a capital expenditure. This is not a free where you're offering it to people for free at the beginning, in the end, this is not a free program. No but when you're investing in your business and you're a good business person and you understand that this expense pays dividends at the other other side. I mean, I bought new chairs for the restaurant and what I you know pay Will is 10% of what those new chairs cost for my restaurant. So that, I mean, there's big numbers and then there's really big numbers and it's well worth it to have the knowledge to be able to manage people. If you could say, I'll give you a course and charge you this much a year to have all the knowledge you want on how to manage each of your people, I think you'd say, oh, that's worth, that's worth something. Well, when you're paying managers 50000 a year plus or you know around that number and you go, 
well, this is so much less than that annually, but I, I don't. I don't even know. I'm not. It is. It is so much less than that annually. But and you can send them to resume reading class. I mean, this is this is effective resume reading class. This is, it really is. This is this is a digital. You know, this is a piece of paper that shows you their resume. So you're not a sponsor of mine. No. You're not a sponsor. You we we are we are customers. But I'm. This is really a testimonial from myself and Stephen talking to you about how much this has affected our business and how we hire and how we train, how we motivate people, how we pull people from that unengaged into the engaged. And, you know, we've been we've been relatively effective as of recently. And I'm really excited once my general managers get complete through this course and we get everybody on the same page, I'm anticipating massive results. Absolutely. Look, if you, if you do this and you you follow it consistently, like anything in life, you got to do it consistently. If you do this, you follow this pro program consistently. You, you're going to see those results. You're going to see you're going to see a better culture. You're going to see more engaged employees. They're producing more for you. They're happier, and your turnover goes down. Your customer experience goes up, and you do all those things. All of a sudden, you start seeing that that top line and that bottom line growing at a faster rate than you would have before. And as leadership. Once that happens, you're also typically working less hours or you're working hours on the right stuff versus being stuck in the business. Because you have trust that the people who are working in your business are doing the things that you need them to do. Instead of constantly wondering if you have the right people in the right seats, you can be confident that they are so you can focus working on the business. Absolutely. I love it. William um, and Stephen, Stephen, do you have any final thoughts? I think once you already have people that are trained, you never want to throw them away. This allows you to manage them more effectively and understand where their strengths and weaknesses are and how it relates to your business. William, one of the things I do with all of my guests is I give them the final word. So I'll let you take us out, Jerry's final thought style. Whatever you want to say, as long as you want to say it, speaking to the Nashville restaurant world. Uh, so speaking to the Nashville restaurant world, so you know, obviously all of you have had a tough go the last year and a half, right? It's been, it's, it's been a tough go. And, um, you know, what I would say is, look, I would love to help each of you, whoever wants to help, I would love to help you make this next 18 months a quicker recovery than what, than what the last 18 months have been. And, uh, and then I also want to say, um, you know, I, I really appreciate Brandon, Stephen, love you guys as, as, uh, as customers. And, uh, it's been a fun four years, and uh, we'll keep making a, a fun uh, four, to, four to ten more years, right? Hopefully a lot longer than that. Yes, and I will say that my favorite phone calls that I make throughout the month are the ones where I call you and I go, I'm stuck on this person, and you go, oh, well, that's because they like this, 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 and I go, ah, that's it. Absolutely. And it's almost immediate how quick you give me the best advice. Stephen and William, thank you so much for joining us today on Nashville Restaurant Radio. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Yep. All right. Wow. What a what a fantastic episode. Thank you guys for your patience on that one. Um, I had done this full editing because our sound was so off and it took me an hour and a half and it, my computer crashed and the whole thing went away and I couldn't get it back. So I did it again. So better late than never. Uh, we are going to be, we got some new episodes coming up next week with... Jenny Chikawa, so excited to have her back on the show. So excited you are listening with us here today. We hope that you guys are being safe. Go get your vaccination, get your booster. Love you guys. Bye-bye.